Welcome to the Chasing Presence podcast, co-hosted by Santiago and Mike. This is a space where we share our insights for how to live a more spiritually aligned life. Join us on our journey to expand consciousness, live with purpose, and awaken to our true nature. Today, we are going to be talking about comparison and judgment and how we as humans will oftentimes compare ourselves to other people and the lives that they are living. And then as a result of that, thinking less of ourselves or our own lives, and then we experience jealousy, we experience envy and a variety of negative emotions that bring us out of our own spiritual alignment and sometimes cause us to lose our own frame and sense of congruence and therefore start to change and and try to adapt our lives to other people and try to live up to these very curated false narratives that we set about other people's lives. And we try to emulate that in a way that can become toxic and unhealthy. And so today we want to dissect, first of all, what it is that causes people to always compare themselves to other people in their lives. Second of all, how we can become more mindful and aware of when and why we are doing this. And then third of all, how to break free from that cycle and focus on becoming the best versions of ourselves and cultivating gratitude in order to appreciate what we already have in our lives while still being able to aspire to greater heights and greater depths of spirituality, of success, etc. Mike, how has this topic shown up in your life? How often do you compare yourself to other people? Is this something that you still struggle with? How has that journey looked like for you so far? Oh man, the the journey in terms of judgment has been has been quite rough in, in, in a good way, of course. But you know, it it usually it usually starts when you're when you're young in your childhood. And for me, it was like you know, I was I was put into specific sports leagues when I was like seven, eight, nine, where um, I was kind of the odd one out because I was going to a different school. Um, so, so my dad would basically pl- place me on a team with all the kids that already knew each other. Um, and I was kind of like the one that didn't know anybody. And so be, I think because of that, I kind of got isolated and I started getting bullied and whatnot. And what basically came out of that is that I was f- afraid of other people judging me because like they were literally, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's no, it's no kid's fault for the way they are it's 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 just kids trying to figure out how to live in the world it's it's how their parents taught them and then how their parents taught their parents and so on so forth down the family tree but once i started realizing that when somebody judged me in the external world it caused me to feel a certain way obviously this is devoid of any self-awareness because it's very difficult to have any sort of self-awareness when you're when you're that young, I mean, in some sense, you are pure consciousness, but in in another sense, it's just like you you're kind of just like not aware that you're pure consciousness. You just are. Um, but then what happens is when I see other people or when I saw other people, you know, calling me names or kind of just like excluding me from the group and you know obviously nobody wants to get excluded from the group it's one of those maslow's hierarchy of needs to belong to a community then you're going to start feeling negative emotions 
And, you know, when you're young, you especially if you have parents who aren't emotionally intelligent, you're, you aren't going to know how to process those emotions properly. So it's what ended up happening is I just became quiet, you know, and so I wouldn't attract much attention. So I wouldn't get people to um, look at me or judge me as much. Obviously, that usually, you know, kind of backfired if, if, if these kids, you know, saw someone who wasn't standing up for themselves and, you know, kind of like shying away from conflict, of course, they're going to use that opportunity to bolster them, their own self-worth in, in their own, in their own way, in their own image that they thought would, would be, um, uh, beneficial for them. Obviously completely unconsciously, it's not their fault. That's just the way things go. So as a result of that, when other people were judging me, I would judge myself because I'm like, oh, if like, if the overwhelming majority thinks of me like this, then that must be the case. So then obviously the voice in my head started adapting to that. And so at a very young age, I was, I was judging myself uh, pretty heavily. And that caused me to, you know, you know, kind of gain a lot of social anxiety at a young age. Uh, and that kind of went all the way throughout high school for the most part and into college, definitely into college and even into my mid twenties. Um, so, and, and something that happened as a result of that is because, you know, when I'm judging myself for something and I'm seeing the bad in myself, that's usually how I'm going to judge the standard of other people as well. Um, that that's usually just how it works, you know, and especially when you're constantly seeing the bad in yourself all the time, even though it's like, it's, it's a completely subjective experience that, um, that I experienced when I was young, that is kind of being extrapolated now into my new environment, even though it has absolutely, it serves me absolutely. Uh, it does not serve me at all. Uh, but your subconscious mind does not know that. Because your subconscious mind is literally just running a program. Your subconscious mind is not conscious of itself. It just, it's just, it's literally just programs running. That's it. Uh, our conscious mind is the only thing that, you know, has, has some sort of awareness or, you know, I guess there's an awareness of your con your conscious mind, which then has the ability to focus on certain things like thoughts and whatnot. Um, but yeah, so when when I was constantly judging myself and judging other people, um, what eventually kind of strayed me away from that is learning about the concept of self-awareness in general. Um, and because when you learn about the concept of self-awareness, you realize that there's there's almost another entity inside of you. You know, if you think of your ego and... Um, as kind of like the the entity that wraps itself around your subconscious uh, programs as a form of identity, uh, then you have another entity inside of you, which which is literally just the opposite of that, which just has, which if your ego is just something that can be observed, just like the external world, just like anything in, in your environment, you also have the observer inside of you, which, which you know, can observe those things. Uh, and your ego is, is the entity that, conjures the judgments for yourself and the judgments for other people. So once you realize that there is this other entity inside you that you have access to, um, it's a lot easier to kind of like take a step back, you know, create space from, you know, because you know, at the end of the day, like your ego is still a part of you, 
but the good news is that you can you can update it you know you, you can update the programs that you know are a little bit out of date and have bugs running in them um with by using this this observer um what, what you can think of as you know as the programmer and you know your ego is kind of like the code um but yeah so once once i became more self-aware of myself and my environment and i started you know implementing habits and routines that kind of strengthen my ability to be more aware and 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 um basically updated my ego to be a little bit more healthy uh my my i mean i still judge you know people subconsciously you know the, the, these things don't go away overnight they don't go away in three months they don't go away in six months nine months especially when they these programs have been wiring and firing uh for 27 years so it's something that you know probably takes like two three four years of constant personal development and you know a lot of people are going to uh shy away uh from that when i say that because there's like oh my god that's such a long time but no it's not like literally you if, if you're a healthy individual you might live to being a hundred and that's literally uh four percent of your life okay so that, that's not that long at all um and it's the best thing that you could possibly do for yourself so yeah i'm when it comes to judging others, obviously it, it's a sign that you you have an unchecked ego, and becoming more self aware in my experience has has enabled me to shed light on it and improve that facet of my subconscious mind. Yeah, judgment. I guess there's two kind of sides to this. There's the judgment piece, and then there's the comparison piece, and there's definitely an overlap between those two things. But to to kind of um, start off with judgment since that's more of what you were talking about. I definitely had a lot of problems, especially as a kid and a teenager and even into early adulthood with the judging people constantly. And a lot of that stemmed from a couple of things. One, I was raised in a household where people in my family very oftentimes would comment on the way people look or certain behaviors and habits, and they would do it in a very critical and um, ill-willed kind of manner. And they didn't really realize what they were doing. I don't think that was just programmed into them from their parents and from their, you know, from, from the environments that they grew up in and as well. And that cycle kind of just continued and repeated into me. And as a result of that, I thought it was a normal habit or behavior to judge other people, to kind of make fun of them, to say, to speak of other people poorly. And, and it sounded like I only did that. There was definitely, it didn't completely take over, but it definitely was prevalent. And as a result of that, I got caught into, just like yourself, a lot of cycles of bullying throughout middle school high, and high school as well, even. Um, and then obviously that, that ended after high school because that doesn't really typically happen after that point. But um, it took me a long time to realize that I had a very negative mindset, a very pessimistic pessimistic mindset and also a mindset that caused me to constantly judge other people and think poorly of them without even really getting to know them or having any kind of empathy. And so I didn't really start to develop compassion, empathy, um, you know, a growth mindset, a positive mindset until I started the spiritual development path about five years ago in, in 2017. So most of my life was spent judging other people all the time. And it was a very, and, and through that judgment, it ended up really just feeding into to these negative interactions with people, 
um, caused me to have a difficult time forming meaningful relationships and friendships, uh, caused a lot of people to not like me because of the way that I acted towards them. Even if I wasn't saying something negative to them directly, there was, I'm sure, an energy or a vibe they could pick up on um, that had to do with the way that I viewed the world and viewed other people. And so that judgment was definitely very toxic and very detrimental to my development and to a lot of the aspects of my life growing up. That being said, there is a way to, to shift that mindset um, to something more positive. And it really comes down to cultivating, like you said, self-awareness, but also just a greater level of um, mindfulness, a greater level of compassion, a greater level of empathy. Um, and one of the best ways to do that is to find different disciplines, different experiences that can help you to open up your heart. So for me, in the very early stages, um, it was actually through the use of MDMA, which is a substance that is an empathogenic substance that helps you to open your heart and experience feelings of love and connection and all these things. And when I first had that experience, which was actually all the way back in 2015, it was seven years ago, I my mind was blown. I was like, whoa, all of these feelings and um, emotions that I rarely feel or, or to some degree have never truly fully felt actually exist. And, and it's a thing. And then through that, I started to, to become more aware of this other side um, of, of the divine feminine, so to speak, and of these, these more nurturing, light, positive types of emotions versus the kind of like put your head down, grind, be hard type of mindset that I had before then. And both have their place for sure. But if you, if you can cultivate more empathy and more compassion into your life, you will start to view other people. You will start to recognize the sameness in other people rather than the differences. And this is something that, you know, mind altering consciousness, expanding experiences can do for people is oftentimes, you know, especially in today's society and throughout the history of the world, people have a, a tendency to view, to, to, to recognize and focus on the differences between themselves and other people, and then to cling on and identify with those differences rather than viewing what is the same in other people. And the more you can uh, cultivate compassion in your life, the more you will begin to focus on what is the same in people rather than what is different. So if you look at prejudices, racism is a great example, right? Like if you look at America, Civil Rights Act, 1965, right? That whole period of time. And some of that even still goes on today to a degree, just not as extreme. The, 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 um, the conflict between whites and blacks was something so superficial. It was, they have a different skin color they are different from us. They are the other, they are the enemy. And we're going to judge them for that. And we're going to put them, you know, into like a second class and we're going to deprive them of basic human rights. And that results from a over overly developed ego that, that hasn't had the, the experience, the, the life-changing experiences that come with, you know, um, love and empathy and compassion and joy. And so when you can start to have more experiences that bring you closer to those emotions, you can start to recognize, you know, that we are actually all human beings and that the source and essence in me is the same source and essence that is in you and in every other human being. And when you can recognize that sameness and, and not just recognize it on a cognitive level, but you start to actually feel that and embody that, you start to treat other people more kindly. You start to treat other people with respect. You start to treat other people you know, in a positive way, because you're not just focusing on how they're different from you, you recognize that they're actually the same, and we're all the same, and we're all one. Um, that being said, 
even though I've had those experiences, I still judge people even to this day. But the difference between then and now is that I am aware of it very, very quickly after doing so. And so you're not, Mike talks about this all the time. You're never going to be able to, to fully, he says, you, you basically the idea is that you're going to have these thoughts. You can't control the thoughts as they arise, but you can control how you respond to those thoughts. And a big part of controlling how you respond is bringing awareness to them. And so you might have a negative thought. I, I still will see people and make judgments and have negative thoughts, but I'm aware of it a moment after, you know, and then I'm able to say, okay, that was a thought that I was having. And then I can dissociate from it or create space between me and the thought and then choose to show up in a way that is um, comprised of, of more equanimity, more peace, more proactivity, and, and not letting those thoughts and those negative emotions determine how I'm going to treat people. So that's kind of the takeaway that I have when it comes to judgment. Well, probably it's kind of hardwired into us to an extent to judge others. It's so prevalent and maybe you can get to a point eventually where you're free of any kind of negative judgment, but don't beat yourself up if you are having those judgments. The fact that you can become aware of them in the first place is already a great step towards progressing, progressing spiritually. Yeah. Um, I think one of the big problems with, with the self-help community in, in, in its toxic form is that it sometimes promotes only feeling positive and that is impossible. And, you know, feel, feeling negative is something that is always going to be a part of us and we need to be okay or okay with the fact that we're going to feel anxiety or fear. Um, I, I forget who said it, but um, there is, you know, there is no courage without fear. Courage is acting in, in spite of fear. Um, and confidence is acting in spite of anxiety or, you know, in, in spite of whatever the hell you're feeling, just doing what you think is right. Um, so th this notion that, you know, like judging others is bad. I kind of want to, I kind of want to stay away from labeling it as that. Um, because, you know, the second you label something as negative, that's when you're going to start, you know, thinking about it negatively. Um, so I think that the best thing to do, I mean, because obviously there are certain things that you do that are going to have detrimental effects, um, towards your own success in life, which is de ultimately defined by you. Um, obviously there, there is some sort of, you know, some sort of ethical objective, uh, ideal out there that, you know, humans like to think that is, is a thing. Obviously you shouldn't murder people. Um, but who, who who's to say you shouldn't, you know, because like at, at the end of the day, it's like if, if one person gets murdered, but then because of that, something else good happens, was it, was it bad? It, it's one, it's one of those things like utility, utilitarian ideas where it's like, you know, if you do one thing bad, but it causes a cascade of good events, is that ethically bad? Um, I guess, I guess sometimes you can say it boils down to intent. Um, so if like you, you like consciously intend to judge someone just because you're do because just because you want to, I'd say there's probably some ethical problems in that. Um, but yeah, I, and the, the other thing I want to talk about is, um, comparison in general. So I, we all know that the, the most comparison happens on this, this little thing that, you know, we, we know about called social media and it's, it's very easy to get caught in, you know, when you're scrolling 
to start comparing yourself to start comparing your looks to start comparing your money to start comparing you know just be, uh, just about everything um and it's it's very difficult to browse social media and not have these thoughts it's it's almost impossible um because and what what comparison is doing at the end of the day I mean, I, I would say there there is good comparison. Obviously, there's like comparison against, you know, um, like who you were yesterday. Some can even say that, you know, if, if you if you compare yourself to maybe, you know, a master, you know, you're a student, you're a master. You're just like you, you obviously you're they, they are uh, more adept in a certain skill than you are. And that's just like the, the reality of it. And like you have to make a comparison to kind of like come to that reality. But I think what it boils down to is not constantly making that comparison after you've already accepted the reality. So it's the the, the one thing that I, I try to do when I browse social media is whenever I find myself comparing, like because it's going to happen, you're going to compare yourself to people. But like like Santi said, it's about being aware of it and not judging it as something that's bad because we live in a society where it's almost like virtually impossible to not compare yourself to people when you're, when you're functioning at full capacity in like, you know, a dense urban area and you're using the internet and like, because a lot of us have to use it for our jobs. I'm, I'm a music producer and I have to use social media in order to, you know, at some point start paying my bills. Um, so it's something that we need to learn to use because I do believe that if we use social media and we train ourselves to not judge others and to not compare ourselves to others, then it can be a, a very brilliant way to, you know, live a great life as long as you're not using it to, you know, kind of bolster your own ego, which is, you know, what a lot of Instagram influencers do, especially women, I will say, because a lot of them are just going to post pictures about their body you know, just, just to get obviously the, the weak men of today to, to give them money and stuff like that, which, you know, in in a certain, in a certain sense seems somewhat practical because they, they, they understand the weakness in men today and they're going to use that to their advantage. You know, I mean, there, there is something ethically wrong with it and, you know, it's perpetuating the problem, but I'll, I'm going to leave it at that. But I would say so comparison like I I still I still do it all the time not not just on social media um for example I mean obviously I'm I'm an aspiring music producer I'm like decently advanced but I'm nowhere near where I want my professional quality to be and that and that's just like the way it is and like you, you have to like make an initial comparison like to 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 other artists, like for example, when I'm producing music, one, one of the um, methods of making your sound higher quality is to literally compare it to another artist's song because they obviously, if it was a hit song, they did something right with you know the sonic quality and you know mixing the instruments together to make it sound cohesive and whatnot. So it's comparing it literally you have to it's one of the industry practices that every single person recommends so like oftentimes you can't get away from comparison but it's it's more along the lines of if you can view it in a positive light where it's like where it's just like oh you know my my music is bad theirs is good 
instead you're just like wow this is really good i want to i want to see what i can do to emulate this and so literally it just comes down to a a mindset you know because you you can compare what you have to someone else or but i think the best way to do it is just to look at the good qualities in other people and almost kind of like use that as an ideal to continue to strive for um and, and so I, I don't think comparison is you know all detrimental in that sense i think we can use it to better ourselves as long as we use it in a positive manner yeah i completely agree with that i think that there's there's healthy ways of comparing yourself to others and it is something that we as humans need to a degree we need that mechanism in our mind that that forces us to compare ourselves to other people one of the reasons is what you just talked about, which is if you're trying to develop a certain skill set or you're trying to uh, adapt to a certain environment, you need to compare yourself to what other people are doing who are more experienced to figure out the right way to do things. And this is even the case when you're a kid growing up in school, you're comparing yourself to the other kids to see what is the appropriate form of behavior, you know, how to have basic manners, how to compose and conduct yourself, you know, when you're in certain social environments. And then you start to maybe pick up a sport or you start to pick up maybe music, you start to play an instrument. And now you're going to compare yourself to your peers to figure out, you know, okay, how are they learning? How are they progressing? You know, am I doing this correctly? So comparison is definitely necessary to a degree. You're going to need to compare yourself to your peers as well as to people who are maybe a little bit further along in whatever skill or aspect of life you're thinking about, right? Because that is how you're going to, as yourself, improve right like competition as well comparison and competition as well is what helps to stimulate growth and improvement if there was no competition there would be no growth right that's that's just how it works that's how it works in in the free markets with businesses and private businesses they grow due to competition and it's also how it works with athletes and how it's how it works um, in school like you need a certain degree of competition in order to create the pressure you need in order to advance and evolve and grow and develop. And that's a big part of the masculine imperative, which is something that is to be embraced in my opinion, and is something to be cherished and, and, and it holds a lot of value. That being said, comparison in excess and, and in a way to where it causes you to start having negative self-limiting beliefs, that is when it becomes an issue. And like you said, uh, the, probably one of the biggest Thing, one of the biggest inventions um, in, in our modern age that has perpetuated this negative, toxic type of comparison is definitely social media. And I think we're very lucky that we grew up during our developmental years without it. I think the kids growing up today more than ever are suffering from severe mental illness. A lot of people who are kids and teenagers are committing higher levels of suicide than they ever have before. There are higher levels of depression and anxiety and prescription medications being administered and people who are um, who are confused and lost and in a lot of pain because there's cyberbullying that goes on. There are videos that are posted or photos that are posted um, against people's own discretion and that causes them to be uh, shamed or humiliated in a very public manner. And then on top of that, these, and a lot of the times it's actually, I would say, probably more of an issue with young girls and, and young women than it is with men. It's obviously going to impact both, but I think for them especially, there's a, there is a pressure on on women to to have a certain type of physical 
level of attractiveness or physical body or physical appearance. And I think that they are probably the most impacted by it at a very young age. I'm talking junior high, high school, because they're comparing themselves and, and their bodies to these unrealistic ideals that they see on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok. And it causes them to feel very insecure about their own physical appearance. And as a result, they get depressed, they have to go on medication, and then it becomes this whole issue, this deep-seated trauma that at some point down the road, hopefully they'll be able to to heal and release and come to terms with. But I find myself even now, like I'm, I don't use, I don't have an Instagram, I don't have a Facebook. I used to have a Facebook, but I got rid of Snapchat. I got rid of most of my social media. The only social media that I still use, uh, the, well, there's two. One is LinkedIn, but that's not really social media. That's a little bit different. And I use that um, for professional networking. And then the other one that I use is TikTok. And that's mostly to create content, which I don't do as, as much at this point, but that's really what I use it for. But every now and then I'll go on there and I'll start scrolling through videos and I'll find myself kind of like after I, if I just scroll on, on some videos for even just 10 minutes, I don't feel great after doing it. Like I don't feel like energized and refreshed. There's something that's off. And I think that when you're, you're looking at these curated feeds of other people presenting the best versions of themselves constantly, it causes it, it will result in people feeling like their life is not measuring up to what it should be and that they're missing out. It causes a lot of people to experience FOMO. It causes a lot of people to feel like, you know, a big big example is is travel. Like you'll see on social media everyone's traveling everywhere and then you'll feel like, oh, how come I'm not traveling? And, you know, my life must not be exciting or fun. And they're comparing the monotony and the mundane of their day-to-day life to the highlight reel of everyone else. And it's giving them this false very, um, very, uh, it's a false narrative in their head that there's this illusion that they're seeing that they believe that everyone else is living this very exciting, fun life and they're not. And that's actually not the truth. And we can go down a different rabbit hole here, which is that even if, even if it was the truth, like you should still, there's still value in embracing like discipline and routine, but that's, it's not really what the topic is here. But the idea here is that through social media and through the advent of this very new form of technology that didn't exist very long ago. I mean, it really only started blowing up with, with, I would argue with Facebook, uh, in 2008, 2009, there was some social media before them, but it wasn't like what it is today. And as a result of that, people are, um, comparing themselves in excess to other people, which causes them to feel inadequate in many ways. And so it's, it's like I said, like there's a healthy form of comparison, but you want to avoid comparing people, comparing yourself to other people in a way that then causes you to start having a negative self-talk because that negative self-talk can spiral out of control. And then due to these negative thoughts, you're going to start feeling differently. You're going to start having more negative emotions. And then your behaviors are going to follow through based on those emotions. And those behaviors aren't going to be positive and enriching and, and healthy for you. And then your, your, your personality will change, which what Joe Dispenza talks about is your personality uh, creates your personal reality. And so all these thoughts, which lead into feelings, which lead into actions that ends up creating your life. And if it's coming from this place of lack and scarcity, then, well, then you're going to manifest lack and scarcity in your life. And it's just going to create more of the same. And so you want to break free of that pattern. And I would argue, um, you know, moving on to, to how we can, how, how, how can we break free from this cycle of comparison? Maybe you're saying, okay, yeah, I know that I'm comparing myself alternative people, how do I change that? And obviously the one very like tactical step is to stop using social media as much, but I think better advice that I can give, um, 
that can really create a deeper shift is practicing gratitude and practicing that on a consistent basis and focusing on training your RAS, your reticular activating system, which is your selective focus, to focus on the things that you do have and that you are grateful for. And so for me, every night before bed, I have a gratitude practice where I list off, I verb verbally list off the various things that I'm grateful for in my life. And it's oftentimes very simple things. I'll say, I am grateful for my breath. I am grateful for the food I got to eat today. I'm grateful for the warm bed I get to sleep in tonight. I'm grateful for my friends and my family. I'm grateful for my financial security. I'm grateful for my physical safety and security, so forth and so on. And then you train your brain through this practice to start really focusing on the things that you do have in your life. And then you can build upon those things. It doesn't mean you have to become complacent and just, you know, just coast through life. If you don't want to, you can still have ambition, but it's, it's, this thing in your mind that you have to kind of balance between being grateful for what you have and where you are and where you've already come while still uh, striving for more. And so that's the key. And, and um, Ed Milet, who's a motivational speaker, he explains it as the, the metaphor he gives is think about eating a really delicious meal. Take, think about taking that first bite of a really delicious meal. You, you, when you take that first bite, when it really tastes good, you're experiencing bliss and, and gratitude and positive emotions, but you're not necessarily satisfied. You still want more. And so it's being in a state of gratitude for what you currently have while still striving to achieve the things in life that you haven't yet accomplished. I think it's really important to, to understand that if we are going to try to change our subconscious mind, like for example, there's a program running that uh, creates fear in your body um, of doing something in public that other people are going to judge you for or that someone else is going to like cringe at you or like for example I've <laughs> I remember for the longest time I was I had this fear of you know shaking people's hands especially in in colloquial settings because I, you know, there's so many different types of handshakes that you can do. And it's like, it feels so weird when you screw up a handshake with somebody or, you know, when you're uh, walking on the sidewalk and like one person, you're going the same way as them. And, you know, it becomes awkward for a second. I know in certain Buddhist practices, like certain Buddhist uh, mentors, I remember Alan Watts talking about this, would purposely do this to their students to try to like make them more comfortable with this, with this anxious feeling. Uh, mainly because in order to, you know, truly program your subconscious mind, you got it. You have to feel an emotion. Um, and, you know, doing gratitude is a great way to prime your RAS. Um, but in terms of replacing subconscious programs, you, you have to, you have to do behaviors and you have to, you have to elicit emotions that are then going to help, basically aid the neuroplasticity process. Um, so one thing that I'm doing right now, um, when, when I go out is, you know, I, I, th this one's a little bit extreme, but I mean, it's not that extreme if you really think about it, because I, I for I'll, like right next to a grocery store entrance, I would just lie down. I would set a timer on my watch and just lie down for a minute. I've done that like three times in the past, you know, few weeks or something like that. And yeah, it, it always, you know, it, it's always really scary going up to it. But it's just like, why? Why Why is me lying down like next to <laughs> next to a grocery store entrance really going to be that big of a deal? Because guess what? Homeless people do it all the time and they don't give a they don't care. 
Um, so like, why do we care? Why do we care so much about other people thinking, Oh, what is he doing lying on the sidewalk? It's just a program running in your mind, bro. It's like, that's just how we were programmed at a young age because we need to, we need to obey society's rules. We need to be, you know, good kids. We need to make sure that, um, you know, we, we make connections so that we get jobs and stuff like that. And there is some merit to being conditioned in a way that, you know, especially in this society, if you want to get by and be successful, you do have to, you know, like filter what you say. But for for the most part, it's just like it it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. And like when when you sit down there and you're just like, and what when I was experiencing this a few days ago, I was just like I was just like lying there. It's actually a funny story. I I was lying right next to a homeless guy, <laughs> and um, I, it was at a Whole Foods and there was like this guy who was just watching me and I had my, like one of my eyes open and he, I just, I could see his face and he was just like, what the hell is going on right now? Um, and, and then like after that, I gave like the homeless guy $5 and I just saw his face and I could tell that he had a great story going home to whoever the fuck he was going home to. But bro, like he's forgotten about that. I mean, even if he hasn't, it's just like a good story in general. So it's just like, why are we so scared of these things? The other thing that I, I, I mean, th- this is mainly for social anxiety. You know, this is one thing that I've really struggled with, but I feel like once you get f- over the fear of social anxiety, a lot of other anxieties in your life kind of die away. Um, but th- that's just my subjective opinion on that. Um, I've always been scared of giving people eye contact. So what, what I've been kind of doing lately is forcing myself to literally just look people in the eye until until they look away and i'm not doing this as like you know a form of dominance because my my thinking my my old self's thinking was oh if i if i look at people for too long they're gonna think i'm creepy they're gonna think i'm weird or and or they might call the cops on me in like some fucking extreme situations or whatnot it's just like no that like why i only had that idea because you know in the past if i gave someone eye contact who was bullying me they would start bullying me more So it was just like, it was a way to escape those feelings. But, you know, now, you know, we're in the real world. It's like, (laughs) that shit doesn't happen anymore. And even if it does, it's like, you most likely you can handle anything in the present moment because the fear of suffering is worse than the suffering itself. So one of the tactics I use is I, when I go to the grocery store, when I go out in public, I make eye contact with every single person and literally I'll stare at them until they look away. And, you know, it, it doesn't matter if they think that you're being a fucking creeper or not, you know, it, it, because that's their thoughts. You can't control their thoughts. All you, you, you can control your thoughts, though. And, and this is a great way of just becoming more confident, you know, like putting your shoulders back and just like walking and giving people like th- these are other beings. These are other souls and the eyes are the seat of the soul. So like look into their soul. It's like. <laughs> Well, at least, at least while we're on while we're on this planet, you know, connect with as many souls as you possibly can, and that's through the eyes. You know, without eye contact, it's very difficult to really connect with someone. So, getting good at you know, not being scared of giving someone eye contact is crucial, and it's one of those things where you're just like it shows vulnerability. Um, so, yeah, you could do extreme cover zone challenges like going to a shopping mall and lying down. Um, you know, going up and just like chatting with a random person, um, 
or, you know, just walking by, giving people eye contact, saying hi to everyone that like comes by, you know, like smiling. It's, it's, it's these types of challenges that have really helped me with my fear of judgment. You know, there, there's becoming aware of when you judge others, but then there's also the fear of getting judged. And I think they're really just sides of the same coin. Um, and so th- those are some things that have really helped. And then like when, when you're doing these things, be as aware as possible. Set your intention before you go into these things. Literally remind yourself. I'm going to go into these things and I'm going to focus on my breath and I'm going to be as aware as possible because when you, when you set intentions to do things before, like when you, when you like verbally in your head, you know, so not verbally, but cognitively remind yourself to do these things before you do it. You're more often to do it because like sometimes I don't do it. And even though I'm like, okay, I'm going to go give people eye contact, I'll be doing it, but I'll still be in my head, you know? So set the intention, literally just like say the thought, I'm going to be aware when I do this. I'm going to be aware when I do this. I'm going to be aware when I do this. And you're more likely to actually do it when you set the intention in that manner. And those are some of the things that have really been helping me and not just my fear of judgment, but you know, when you start, when you start losing your fear of judgment, you stop judging others at the same time. (laughs) And it's, that's why, that's why I said it's both sides of the same coin. At least in my experience, that is what has happened. And it has really helped me. That's awesome. Yeah, I think comfort zone challenges are probably one of the best tools you can use to overcome your fear of judgment, which is obviously the opposite side of the same coin as judging others as other people are judging us and then we become insecure. And so when you do comfort zone challenges um, somewhat regularly, it will cause you to feel a lot more comfortable just in everyday normal social interactions because you're you're pushing your your edge or your limit point so much further than what you would have to want in, during a normal interaction. And so you become more comfortable in your own skin. One of the other things I also wanted to touch upon is, is the concept of Dharma. And um, Dharma is basically, it can be interpreted as various things, but one of the main ways that it's interpreted is, is your life's purpose or your life's path. And that can mean obviously like what you were put on this earth to do, your mission, your vision for your life. But it also on a more micro level has to do with just literally the experiences that you're meant to have in life and the type of life that you're supposed to live. And so everyone has their own personal dharma and an important piece of the puzzle for your own spiritual awakening is to be at peace and have acceptance for your dharma. And so what can happen when you compare yourself to other people in a negative way is you start to have either resentment or an aversion to the life that you're currently living because you want it to more closely reflect the life of someone else. But accepting and being at peace with your dharma is having faith and understanding that the universe has a plan for you and that the, the experience that you're having right now is the, is the exact experience that you're meant to be having, even if it's difficult or even if it's not exciting. And so but through experiencing all the things that you do in life, both the good and the bad, the positive and the negative, the light and the dark, which are all, by the way, just just um, labels that we put on experiences. The experiences just are what they are. And then our minds create a narrative labeling it good or bad. But for the sake of simplicity, all of these different experiences that we think of as good or bad or difficult or easy or whatever it might be, exciting, fun, scary, challenging, it's exactly what we're supposed to be experiencing for our soul's development to get to that next level. And so 
maybe your life on paper or on a surface level doesn't look as fun or exciting or um, you don't feel like you're, you've been as blessed by life given your circumstances compared to the other people that you're seeing on Instagram or the people that you're talking to at work or wh whoever it might be. Like the path that you're living and the experiences that you're having are exactly the experiences that you are meant to be having for your soul's development. And so it's important to understand that. It's important not to wish, oh, I had someone else's life. Well, you're not having their life. They're, they're, that vessel, that human vessel is meant to be having that life. And you're over here living the life that you're supposed to be having. And it's going to be different and it's going to be unique to you. And you have to be at full acceptance of that and, and commit to that path and focus instead of, oh, I want that person's life or I wish I had that person's genetics or their looks or their financial success. Focusing on being the best version of yourself and focusing on being proactive in your own life and showing up in the best way possible and developing yourself to your own, your own highest potential and your own version of success, whatever that might look like. And, and so that's really a really important piece is understanding Dharma and understanding that the path that you're on is exactly the path that you're supposed to be on, regardless of what it might seem on a surface level. And when you can come to terms with that and accept that and embrace that, you will start to have a much more fulfilling and rich life. And, and then the, again, those positive emotions, those, those positive thoughts will lead to more positive emotions, which will lead to more behaviors and actions and decisions that are going to manifest in various, various forms of abundance in your own life. And then that's how you come, you, that's how you grow spiritually. That's how you become, that's how you develop more inner peace and, um, live the life that you're meant to be living, which is in a state of inner peace and joy and gratitude. That's your birthright. And it's what we're here on earth to uncover. But if it, it was naturally, if we naturally always felt good, like we mentioned, I believe on the last podcast, like you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have the contrast. You wouldn't have the contrast of the negative emotions and you wouldn't be able to appreciate the good that you have in life. So embrace the journey. Don't focus so much on the destination, like embrace the process. And through that process, that's where the growth is. That's where the development is. And that is how we as humans unfold, uh, uncover and unlock our spiritual potential. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Chasing Presence podcast. If you enjoyed it, please spread the word by telling your family and friends and by sharing it on social media. You can also show us your support by leaving a review. Also, if you'd like to get in touch with us, our contact information is in the show notes. Please send us a message as we'd love to hear from you and get your feedback. As always, thanks again for listening. Stay present and have a great day.